0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's go to the Word together this morning. Uh, we are in a series called By Design, and I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. It's actually printed in your booklet here that every one of you had on your seat And so if you didn't get one last week, there it is for you, along with a new Metro Church pen that's got Thy Kingdom Come on it. And uh, so if you would like to use that outline, you don't have to, of course, but if you'd like to use the outlines in there, it's got the headlines, it's got the key Scriptures, hasn't got everything I'm going to say. But the point of the booklet is so that not just obviously that you can write down what I'm saying, but so that you can record what you believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do or to think or to pray about. There's space for that in there for every single one of us. All right. Ephesians 1 verse 8. This is from the message version says this. He thought of everything. That's God, of course, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ a long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. This month in By Design, we're going on the journey of discovering how God has designed and called us to be every single one of us. So the workbook is there. The uh, highlights of some of the major areas of serving are there so that you can get a bit of a window into perhaps some of the opportunities that are here. We certainly don't believe that only serving in the church is the only place you can serve, but for most people, that will be their starting point. We're running EFM deliberately uh, the next two Thursdays after this week, deliberately as a part of this series. We've got My Church on this Thursday again on purpose. So that if you don't know where to start, there are several starting points this month to help you go on the journey of discovering God's design, not for the whole planet, but God's design for you. So let's just read two more verses before we get into it. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things who, into Him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are told in those two verses that there are two separate parts to this great thing called the church, this marvelous thing that is across the entire planet. INC, which uh, we are a part of, the International Network of Churches. Uh, I'm the Deputy National Chairman and the International Ambassador. And uh, not that the titles mean anything so much, but I say that to give you an understanding that the movement that this church is a part of is on every continent of the earth apart from Antarctica. And we're only not in Antarctica, I think, because we haven't found anybody who wants to go somewhere that cold. Uh, But... Uh, God is moving in an incredible way right across the planet. The greatest miracles and the greatest days of harvest are the days in which we live. All around the world, despite all manner of opposition, Despite everything that anyone's ever said about the heyday of the church being over or the rise of atheism, don't believe a word of it. The reality is that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is on the increase all around the entire uh, planet Earth. There are more people coming to Christ today than have been ever coming to Christ in the history of mankind. It's an incredible day which you and I live and the marvellous part about it is that uh, with all the travel and all the communications, we can be anywhere and everywhere so fast. Gone are the days when you need to take a ship and take two months to get somewhere and perhaps be away forever. Now you can go at the beginning of one week and be home by the end of it uh, and see God do incredible things in marvellous ways. But the Bible doesn't begin with us, the body, the church. it begins with the head of the church. It says from whom the whole body uh, it it gets everything it gets from who is the head, which is Christ. and no one could ever or should ever diminish the supreme importance of of the Lord of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is the Saviour. No church can save you. No denomination has got the power to transform your life. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He alone is the Lord. No man is the Lord, but Christ is the Lord. He alone is the foundation of the church. And in the recounting of Christ's transfiguration on the Mount, this is in Matthew 17, when Peter blurts out seeing Jesus speaking to Moses and to Elijah, Peter in a moment of rash impetuosity speaks out loud in the midst of a divine and supernatural moment Peter says, Lord, let's build three tabernacles. How about we make three shrines here? Let's make one for Jesus, of course, but let's make one for Moses and one for Elijah as well. And that's the humanity uh, exposed right there that so often people want to accessorise Jesus. They want to add more in. They want to add something more than what's necessary. And, And we see that and Peter says that, and as He utters that, God the Father speaks from heaven and says this, He says, This is my beloved Son, hear Him. And when they opened their eyes, Matthew 17 verse 8 says this, when they opened their eyes, they saw Jesus only. But let me suggest to you this morning that some people have changed that and lived their whole lives from Jesus only to only Jesus. Jesus. I love the church. Well, sorry, rather, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. I'm amazed how many people I meet who, because of an offence or because of the busyness of life or because of, of uh, some kind of uh, just gradual drift in their life, and I've had them say to me, oh, I'm still a Christian, I just don't go to church. And I, obviously you're here today, so I'm not telling you about this as though this is a problem for you because you're here. Uh, But I'm amazed how many people have allowed that kind of thinking to get in their life. What they're saying is, I love Jesus, I just don't like His people very much. Tomorrow is my wife and I's 41st wedding anniversary. That's a long time, 41. Seems but yesterday. Till I look at the photos. But can you imagine how I'd feel if you were to come up to me and say, Pastor, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. But you know, I want to be your friend. I want you to come to my home for dinner, but don't bring your wife with you. Pastor, here's a gift for you, but I don't like Rhonda, so I'm not giving her anything. The truth is, if you were to speak like that to me, I'd say, if you can't love my bride, then you can't love me. Because I and my bride are inseparable. We are one. And so many people have begun to think like that. Well, I still believe, but I'm too busy for church. Or I'm a Christian, but I haven't found the right church for me. Can I say to you this morning, if that's you here, maybe you are. And you go, Jeff, I I just go from church to church. Please don't do that. You'll never grow if you do that. You might go, but Jeff, God hasn't spoken to me about a church. I would say to you, find one and stick at it until you get clarity of direction for somewhere else that God might want you to go. But maybe He's just waiting for you to put down roots and, you know, and just go, this is gonna be it. And you know what? If you don't know a good church, well, I praise God, I happen to know one. <laughs> and it's the best church in the whole of Perth. And really, obviously, because if it wasn't, I'd be at the other one. <laughs> of course, I'm gonna say that. So if that's been some of the thoughts going through your mind, then I guess this is what your Christian life looks like. Please help me. This is Sebastiano, it's not Jesus, but for just now, let's pretend it's Him. <laughs> this is what the Christian life looks like for many believers in the 21st century. They love the head. They go, it's all about the head. I love the head, look at that, it's Jesus. How many people know Jesus is perfect in every way? He's got it all right, He's got it all going, He's got absolutely, there's no brokenness in Him, there is no sin in Him, there is no doubt in Him. He is complete and perfect in every single way that you can imagine. His judgments are right, everything He does is right. But for some people, they've been turned off by the imperfection of the body. So now all they want is they just want to relate to the head. They just kind of go like, forget the rest of that. I just want to know about the head. That's all I want. It's great. It's perfect. Jesus has got it all together. But how many of you know that His body is still in the process of transformation? But even though the head of the church is beautiful and is always right and the body isn't, listen to this, God still has chosen To use this imperfect body to accomplish his perfect will. That ought to tell you something about the greatness of God that God can take the imperfectness of what is below the head. Head up, perfect. God's got no problems with Jesus. Are you with me here? I know you're thinking. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, perfect in every way. And they're not having an argument. It's my turn to preach. You know, I didn't like the way you did that. No, they've got absolute perfect unity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They've totally got it all going. It's absolutely perfect. But the majesty and the greatness of God. Listen, I've been around church now. This is my 44th year, I think, full time or 45th or something. I can't remember, but it's a lot. But this is what I know. I go around and I see the imperfection of the body everywhere I ever go. And even if all I do is go home, I see it. All I do is get out of bed in the morning, look in that mirror and I'm seeing the imperfection of the body. Because I don't know about the rest of you here, but I'm not gonna stick my hand up and tell you I've made it. I'm not going to put my hand up and say I'm perfect. I'm not going to say I've got, I never sinned. I'm not going to say I'm always right. I'm not going to say all my attitudes and all my perspectives are the way they ought to be. But here's the majesty of it, is that God doesn't just use the perfect head. He uses the imperfect body and still accomplishes His perfect will. Now, if that doesn't make you just kind of get a little bit kind of excited, I, I, maybe I might need to say it again a couple of times that God has chosen to do His perfect will through an imperfect body. Now, how do I know that? Well, let me read you Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there we're going right to the head. We get this. We understand it's Jesus that saves. He's the only, Acts 4, verse 12, neither is there uh, any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name, that's it. We get that. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 14 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him of whom they haven't heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And we all go, hold on a second here. I thought it was only Jesus. Romans tells me straight up, it says it's not just the head, but somehow or other the body's got to go and do something. The body's got to go and speak. God is not going to appear to your neighbours in the middle of the night, most likely. Now He can. I'm not saying God can't do anything without you. I'm saying God has chosen to do almost everything through you. Are you with me? So with all the resources of heaven, Jesus is still relying on His body to reach other people. It's not the head sitting in heaven. The head directs the body. But the body, the imperfect body, Has to go and do what's got to be done. You see all around about you today, people wearing green T-shirts. I've got a little revelation for you. Not one of them is wearing the green T-shirt as a sign of perfection. None of them are wearing it going, guess what? That's how you get to serve in Metro. You'd be perfect. We only have perfect host team. We only have perfect cafe team. We only have perfect pastoral care. Oh, I wish. Well, actually I don't wish because then I wouldn't be in it. The head's perfect, the body's imperfect, but God uses the imperfect to accomplish His perfect will. Here's another one, Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the King, that's Jesus, will say to those on His right hand, come you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. Jesus, I never thought you got hungry. Hello, Jesus, come on. You were hungry? Why didn't you just turn stones into bread? Even the devil knows you could do that. Why didn't you just find a leftover sandwich and transform it? Why didn't you just turn water into wine again? Well, He doesn't say that. He says, I was hungry. What does it say next? And who's the you? I was hungry. Jesus says, I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty, really? And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. No, Lord, you're not a stranger, I know you. You took me in. I was naked, really? And you clothed me. I was sick, I don't believe it. Jesus couldn't be sick. What about Acts 10, 38? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with Him. You were sick? I was sick, you visited me. He never said I was sick and you sent me a text message. I was sick and you sent me a link to a healing website. He says, I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison. What were you in there for? I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, I'm hoping that's you, will answer him and say exactly what I just said. Hello, when were you hungry? And we fed you. I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. I'm pretty sure I'd recognise you. I'm pretty sure I would have felt it. You know, in my Holy Spirit antenna. You ever met a Christian like that? They can tell you when God is in the service, but they can't always tell you when God is in front of them. When were you hungry and we fed you or thirsty, gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it, inasmuch as you did it, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of these, my brethren. In other words, Jesus saying, you didn't recognise me because it never looked like me, it looked like another person. He said, "Inasmuch as you did it under one of these, the least of these, my brethren. That's why a man who was speaking about hope, we refused, we, I don't know, every agency I know of calls them people that come clients. Uh, years ago, I said, I don't ever want to hear that word within the, uh, the ministry of hope. We don't have clients, we have guests. You heard Amanda say, our guests. Because we don't have clients, they're not customers of ours. They are guests of our church, no matter which door you walk in. You walk in that door, you're a guest and we'll celebrate you. But I want to tell you, if you walk in the back door of Hope and you come in there and you don't have clothes or you don't have uh, food, or you are sick or whatever, I want to tell you, we're going to say this might be Jesus we're helping. Are you with me here? You're looking like really just like, don't let him go to India again. (laughs) I did these notes before I ever went there. Inasmuch as you did it under one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you did it under me. Whenever I bless or encourage or help or give, I'm doing it for Jesus, to Jesus. And sometimes you're not wearing a green T-shirt that says, I love serving Metro Church. Amen. Are you getting this today? I hope you are, because I want every one of us to go, you know what, I'm a full-time minister for Jesus. Come on, come on. You're not a full-time ministry when you have the title of pastor. I've been ordained seven times. Seriously, in know, I've been ordained seven times. I'm the most ordained person you ever met. It's only because I just, every time I got a different role, I'd say I need a fresh ordination. And so though, I got ordained all the time for everything. But you know, it never mattered to me whether I had a business card or any other such thing. I'm a full-time minister for Jesus Christ, no matter who pays my salary. Amen. There are people that are sitting here. You are full-time ministries for Christ but BHP or Rio Tinto or an accounting firm or a university or, or, or maybe you're self-employed in your own business, maybe your business card says one thing. But can I say to you, if you're a part of His body, then you are a full-time minister for Jesus Christ. And every time you bless, every time you encourage, every time you help, every time you give, Jesus says, you just did that for me. Isn't that Awesome. Don't you think that's awesome? I do. I think that's pretty amazing. Whether there's a crowd there or there's a title in play is not what it's about. So let me give you a couple of quick things that I think you've got to really embed deeply into your heart if you want to understand this and you want an outworking of it in your life. I would imagine every single one of us, myself included, would like Jesus to help me raise the bar a little in my life. A little bit less concentration on self and a little bit more of an awareness and an openness of who might be in front of me. As, as i said, I've just come back from India. But while I was there, I was thinking about Mother Teresa who would pick up the worst of the worst, the most broken of the most broken, the sickest of the sick. And I'll never forget reading that she said, whenever I hold one of these dying people in my hands, I look into the face of Jesus. I go, oh, wow. Amen. Now, I'm not trying to get us all kumbaya here. You know what I mean? You got real jobs and real life. We, we can't go around just going, oh, well. Oh, I love you. Because if you do that, they're arresting you. huh? Get in on the train tomorrow morning to go to work. Just sit there and look at everyone and go. I tell you, because the, the transport uh, police, I come and i saying, what's your problem? Huh? Stop doing that. And you're going to go, oh, I'm just being, just letting Jesus use me. And they're going to go, well, stop it. I'm not talking about being weird here. You get what I'm saying, don't you? Huh? you do. How many people know you don't have to be weird to be a follower of Jesus? How many people here know that, matter of fact, weird is more of a turn off than a turn on? Huh? People aren't going around saying, well, who's the weirdest person? I want to follow them. (laughs) Yep. Just, oh, just, because some people think the more bizarre you are, the more like Jesus you are. Jesus never got invited to parties because He was a weirdo. He did. They invited Him. Zacchaeus says, come to my house. Simon is at the house of Simon the leper and and a woman comes in with the alabaster box and begins to anoint him and and they're all complaining about it. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She has done this for the day of my burial. It's pretty, are you going good there? You still all right? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Here's some things we want to embed in. Number one. You are, everyone say, I am. I am am a part of His body. I just am. Listen, you cannot be a follower of Christ, have Jesus in your life and go, yeah, listen, I've got Jesus, but I'm not in that thing. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, 14. For by one Spirit, watch this, we were all baptised. It's not talking about water. That's different. He's saying we were baptised into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, that means whether you're a Jewish person or a Gentile, whether slaves or free, no matter what your station in life, and we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body's not one member, but many. So if you are born again, if you love Jesus, if you've invited Him into your heart, if He's the Lord of your life, you're in this thing. Amen. You're in this thing. In Jesus' name, stand on the rock. Amen. Amen. You're, You're in this thing. Don't go, oh no, I think I'm orbiting. Jesus has no moons around Him. There's no one kind of orbiting out there. You're not at some kind of spiritual comet or asteroid. You're in it. Come on. Turn to someone near you and just look at them and say, you're in this thing. Come on. You're in this thing. We have all been made. Here's the second bit, second thing we've got embedded in, in the side of our life, and this one everyone will nod at, but I wonder whether you really know it and believe it or not. Every part is part of His purpose. Pick any bit, everybody. Some of you here are old enough to remember when medical uh, uh, science told us that there was a couple of parts of your body that were unnecessary. Anybody remember the appendix? You don't need an appendix. We're going to take it out and doesn't matter at all. Who cares? It's, a, I remember, it's an evolutionary leftover. Well, they believed that for years and years and years until the last decade or so when they began to discover that the appendix has a role in protecting good bacteria in your gut. That's a fact. huh? And then you take it out, your body will no longer have the same amount of protection over the good bacteria in your gut. And so you're there swallowing Yakult or, or yogurt or probiotics. huh? Keep your appendix if you can. Some of you go, oh God, no, I've lost my appendix. They took it out when I was a kid. Now my gut is bad. No, no, it's okay. Stay with us. I didn't say it's the only thing, but it's got, science has discovered. Apparently the appendix is not useless. Apparently it's not an evolutionary leftover. Apparently the designer doesn't have useless bits. Anybody here had your tonsils out? Company you have? I can remember when I was a kid, they'd be saying, you don't need your tonsils. I remember when a friend of mine got his tonsils out, the doctors told him, you don't need them. You can live without them, doesn't matter. Well, of course you can live without them. Lots of you have. But now science, the latest science, tells us that the tonsils are a part of the immune system. Huh? And that one of the highest concentrations of white blood cells is in the tonsils. How many people would like to go and get them back? (laughs) I can just imagine people going up to their doctor this week and saying, I need a tonsil transplant. Yep, they took mine out, but I want another one. Come on, my pastor said. Listen, every part is part of His purpose. There's no useless bits in your body and there's definitely no useless bits in His. Come on now, you got to get this because some of you here are going, oh, I oh, have people say to me, you oh, I'm not really much of a Christian, Jesus. I don't think I'm a, I've heard people say to me, I'm not a very good Christian, I go, I didn't realize that there were classes. You know, I've had three children and now i got three grandchildren. I don't remember going, I like that one, but that one is bad. Nah, that's an A child and that's a B child. Anybody here got more than one kid? Come on, do you love them all? Or do you go, hmm, hmm. That one is the trouble. They're yours, aren't they? Come on. They may not always be obedient. They may not always be perfect, but they're still yours. Come on. Come on. I'm intending to put a hole in this, surely. I'm going to let some of the body out because it's been held too long by silly (laughs) constructs of theology. Thank you. This whole clergy and laity nonsense that the church, every generation has to fight the same devil that wants to tell you that somehow or other you're not qualified because you haven't been to Bible college, because you aren't so Spiro as everybody else, because of whatever, that somehow or other you you miss out when it comes to what God wants to do. There's no useless bits. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're not useless. I can just imagine someone going, thank you Jesus. Here's number three. Don't measure church by what you get. Measure it by what you can contribute. Don't measure church. Listen, any church you go to will be insufficient. Why? If only church was just Jesus. How many people would like Jesus to preach to you today? Come on, you can raise your hand. I want Jesus to preach to you today. But sorry, it's me. I know, it's a bit of a letdown when you realise, isn't it? Some of you never knew that. You thought, no, I'm pretty sure my pastor, my, my, my pastor, yeah. There was a little girl in our church years and years ago. No, I can't tell you that story. I haven't got time. But listen, don't measure the church by what you get or else you're going to go in there and you're going to go looking for that. Instead, you're going to see that. And when you see that, you go, uh, uh don't want that. Oh, like no. Like... Well, there's a million things you can not like. Amen. But you've got to come with a different spirit. I don't come to church going. It's not like I'm in, I'm in the A380 suites. Well, I've never been in one yet. Is that what they are? First class where you have your own room and a butler? That has got to be the way to fly. That's a lot better than sitting where I sit and getting hit by everybody. The trolley. The bloke with the backpack who's forgot he's got one on. Woof. on. The person who opens the overhead locker and tips suitcases on my head. What would you like today, sir? Would you like the plastic breakfast or the cardboard breakfast? Well, I think I'll go for the cardboard one today. Huh? Come on. If you measure church by what you get, You're always going to be looking up ahead going, well, the one over there has got to be better. But here's the problem. Every church you go to looks like this. Every single church you go to looks like this. Come on, they all do. Jesus. Jesus, name above all names. Beautiful Saviour, glorious. Lord, Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. <laughs> Problem is, when the song finishes and I open my eyes, I can't see that, I see this. Don't measure a church by what you get, measure by what you contribute. Ephesians 4 verse 16, we read it before. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Think about this. This is a deep revelation. I think it's worthy of going on television or writing a book about. Do you know that there is not one part of your body that's designed for looking good only? That's pretty wild. There isn't one part of your body that's just, you know, obviously lots of you think you do look good because you spent long enough in front of the mirror today. You better believe that. After two hours there, you've got to go, you looking fine. Huh? Some of you been in the gym and you're in the gym in front of that mirror. Gone. I, I, I don't think that's a pimple. I don't think that's a mosquito bite. I think that's, I think that's muscle there, yeah, and and so there's all bits of it that you think look good, but there isn't one part of your body that's only function is for beauty. Not your beautiful green eyes. They've got a function. It's not just a, your eyelids, your eyebrows. You know what? You, your eyebrows are not just there so that you know it kind of evens up your face. They've got a function to keep dust out. Think about it. Huh? Your lips. Think how hard it would be to drink through a straw if you never had lips. <laughs> I've got a lot of deep things I'm bringing out here today. I'm not sure you all appreciate it enough. No part of your body is just for looking good. Here's number four, the last one. It's worth the effort to find your place. It's really worth the effort. This is not a recruiting drive. This month is not about trying to recruit people. It really isn't. And we've said this in conversation amongst some of the uh, key team here. Well, I'm not trying to recruit people or anything. What I want you to do is to be energised in God. I want you to go and pray and say, God, I want to be a useful part of the body. I may be an imperfect part, but Lord, it seems to me you can do the perfect will of God through even the imperfect. So I'm going to make the imperfect me available to you so that you can do something great. I don't have this scripture up there for you, but I've been thinking about this and I've actually said this to a couple of people in the last couple of weeks. Said, you know, in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, we read about the first great conflict really that's happened in the church. It's fallen over racial divides. There's a complaint uh, against the Jewish people by the Greeks because the Grecian widows, that is those that never had husbands or support, they felt like they were being neglected. They were getting the leftovers of the food that the church body got together to help one another with. And so they come and they complain. And so the 12 apostles get together and they get all of the crowd together, all the church, and say, look, we've got our job. We know what ours is. Ours is to to uh, study the Word of God and, and to pray. And that's what we're going to do. We want you to go and find seven. Lots of you will know this story. And when I mention two names, everybody here will have heard of both the two names. And I guarantee nobody here can name me any one of the other five. And that's going to be my point when I finish. Because everybody here will go, they come and they bring out seven men. Seven men, it says, of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. They weren't self-appointed. It was all done in order. We'll give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word, saying, please, the whole multitude. And here's the first one they chose was Stephen. Anybody ever heard of Stephen? First martyr of the church? Huh? The first man, the only time after Jesus' resurrection that you will ever read of Jesus standing, not sitting. When Stephen is martyred, the very first martyr, It says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus got off His throne and stood as this man laid down his life. And we all go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, the next one that's mentioned is another one most everyone will have heard of, a guy called Philip. Philip is a guy who, when persecution arises, goes down to Samaria. And he reaps the harvest of the one that Jesus spoke to in John 4, one woman that Jesus spent time with. Philip goes down there and the seed that was planted in that woman through Jesus now becomes a mighty harvest and the entire city comes to Christ. Then he's caught up. Well, he, go, he actually isn't caught up. First of all, he, the, the angel of God tells him, go down to a desolate road, leave the crowd and go to one. And so he obeys that, goes down to where there's one Presently, the Ethiopian eunuch comes past and the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go join yourself to that man's chariot. Get on his bus. He gets in there. The guy's reading the book of Isaiah. Someone else is driving. So he's there reading away and he says, I don't understand it. Philip interprets for him, shows him the Messiah. He's so convinced and becomes a believer. He says, there's water. Can't I get baptised? He said, yeah, Philip. Uh, baptized him, and then the Bible says the Spirit took him up. He immediately disappears. Every time I get in a plane, I go, Jesus, do it again. Could I just get there like that? So far it hasn't happened, but I live in hope. So there's Stephen and there's Philip, but I doubt that anybody in this room or anybody watching here can tell me one other name of the seven. So I'll give them to you. There's Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas. And nobody here has got a clue what they did. But I want to read you just one more verse because I think it's astounding really. Because we know about Stephen, the first martyr. We know about Philip, the first great evangelism to the non-Jewish people goes down there. It's amazing begins to fulfil Acts chapter one, verse eight, or verse five. You know, you're gonna be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the outermost parts of the earth. It was the next stage. Verse seven of Acts chapter six says, after these seven got appointed, two of whom are famous and five are anonymous. Then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. But it wasn't because they saw Stephen get martyred, it wasn't because they heard about Philip going down to Samaria, it was because five other men did nothing else than be a part of the body and do what they could do. It's because five men remained virtually anonymous. We know their names, but we have no idea what they went on and did. They just were servers. They just wore a green T-shirt. They just made coffee. They were down in kids' church. They ran a home group during the week. We don't know what else about them, but somehow or other, they were a part of the result of the Word of God multiplying. All because they were willing to do it. Amen. There's a design and you're a part of the body. Every part is a part of the purpose. No useless parts. Don't measure church by what you get from it. Measure it by what you get to contribute. And that's certainly worth the effort. Let's pray. Bow you here with me a minute. Heavenly Father, thank You for every person that's here. Holy Spirit, there's nobody here by accident. There's nobody here who wandered in. They're random, but they go, yeah, but I'm not like everybody else. Oh God, there might be lots of reasons why we could feel like that, but You say we're a part of the body. You say, Lord, that we are somebody that You have called by name. We are chosen. We are there by divine design. God, I pray today that every single one of us will have a heart, to say, God, how do I contribute? What can I do? Maybe I'll be a Stephen or a Philip and be famous. And people will know who I am for the gift and for what I do. But maybe I'll be a Prochorus. Maybe I'll be a Timon, a Parmenus, an Nicanor. And nobody will ever have a clue, really. But you will be noticing because you said in as much as you've done it, done it under one of these, the least of these, my brethren. You've done it under me. Jesus, more than anything else, we want to please You. More than anything else in our world and in our life. We're not trying to be popular. We're trying to proclaim Your Name. It's not our name or the name of our church. It's Your Name, Jesus, that saves. It's Your Name that will come into a darkened soul and bring light It's Your Name that forgives sin, not ours. So Lord, I pray for every one of us today. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. People are watching this in all parts of the world and listening to the podcast. Wherever you are or you're here in front of me, you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus like that. I feel like I want to know Him, but I'm not sure how to start. Oh, please let me help you today. Please let me just gently help you to take the first step, which is this, that you say yes to Jesus and His sacrifice. You say, that was done for me. I receive it. You let Him come into your life. You don't just believe that He's out there somewhere. You say, no, I want you in my life. I'm going to allow you to be the Lord of my life. That means He's the director of your life. I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. Lord, I'm going to allow You into my world and my life. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed if that's you. Wherever you are and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to say yes to Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up and then put it back down again? Just long and hold up long enough for me to see it so that I know I'm praying with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to help you. Just wherever you are, if that's you right now, just slip it up and put it back down again. I'd love the opportunity to pray with you today as you begin the journey of saying yes to Christ. As you begin the journey and say, Jesus, today I'm saying yes to, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel or you are listening to this on the podcast and you're driving along or something, pull over the side of the road. I'm gonna pray in a minute with you and others that are saying yes to Jesus. I'm gonna help you to say the first step, the yes to Christ. Let's do that right now. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'd love it if you would pray it with me just wherever you are. Say this short and simple prayer to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. Please forgive my sin, all my mistakes. Come into my life today. Help me to follow You for the rest of my life. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You don't need to pray this prayer now. I'm going to pray it for you. Father, for every person that said yes today, whether they're here in front of me or whether they're somewhere or other else watching or listening, I pray God today that You will invade their heart and life, leading them. Lord, You're so good in that. You don't come with a list of rules and tell us this is what you've got to do first. You come with grace. You come with love. You come with gentleness. You come with kindness, Lord, and You lead us to repentance. So we thank You for that today. Help them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's give all those people a big hand and just say, well done. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, let me just tell you one more thing quickly, and that is this, that if you said yes to Jesus, He's the First thing you really want to do, and that is text YES to 0488826392. If you are watching this and you're from another country, well, that won't work. That number wouldn't work for you, but you can get the same thing at yes.metrochurch.org.au. It's up there on the screen. Or grab one of these cards. They're out there at the Connect Hub. Grab one, uh, 0488826392. And then the next day after you do that, 7 a.m. our time, you will get from us, from our church. We came up with it. We designed it. So it's not coming from somewhere else. It's from us personally. And you will get a scripture and you'll get a prayer on one screen of your smartphone or a small email that you can then uh, read that scripture because it's for you. And then you can pray that prayer to help you start praying. And then every day for 30 days, you get a different scripture and a different prayer. We would love for you to take that with our compliments and just to enjoy the blessing of that would be just fantastic.